It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko, along with your host, James Rapine. We're brought to you today by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order. We've got updates from Rookie Minicamp today to talk about, James. I know you were there on Friday watching the rookies in action. We've got some write-ups and some press conferences that followed that day of practice as well, including notes on Deontay Smith, Jackson Carmen, etc., etc. So we'll start there with rookie minicamp. Then we'll take a look at some of the analytic nerds, quote unquote, that do schedule analysis have broken down the Bengals and every NFL schedule by travel distance advantages as well as rest advantages. And the Bengals come out very, very positively in both of those metrics. So we'll go into that analysis a little bit. We'll wrap up with somebody asked me the question on Twitter, James, a big storyline is obviously Joe Burrow's recovery this off season. And I agree with that, but have we given enough attention to what are the expectations for Lou Anarumo's defense after the massive financial investments that the Bengals have made on that side of the ball? in the last couple of years to try to get it right and get lose guys in there. So we'll wrap up the show with a little bit of opining, some some columnist opinion sort of podcasting to wrap things up. But we'll start with minicamp, James. You were down there. And obviously the first look at Jamar Chase, some, some good video of that came out from the team and others, pretty much everybody in attendance had some Jamar Chase video. He's running an out route. He's running a curl route. Look, but, you know, Bengal Sands points out right away that his route running looks better. He He's fixed some small details in one of those out routes. And what he's pointing out is that the body turned before the head. So for those that are really scrutinizing, well, there's a small detail of improvement in Jamar Chase's game for those really paying close attention. I would describe Jamar Chase in my first time seeing him in person as smooth. It's just smooth. It's it's fluid. You're right. Like it doesn't seem like there's any wasted movement. And he obviously had some time to refine things like that and, and focus on those details and get stronger and get more explosive. But it's not like he looks like he's a, a track star out there. And he mentioned that, by the way, in his, his post-practice press conference, we talked with him and he's like, oh, when I run – I'm not trying to, to to look like I run 40 miles per hour. He was like, I run smooth. And, and it's a, a really good way to describe it because I think it's fast, but it doesn't necessarily look like he's exerting this insane amount of energy to, to do so, if that makes sense. And uh, that's why he's able to, to stop on a dime and jump up and, and make contested catches and do all of those things. And we saw it. And the, the one thing I'll say 
this guy certainly, certainly, certainly works with the jugs machine, which we know we've talked about. We had Dan Horde on last month to talk about the summer of 10,000 catches and everything was a hands catch. There was no body this or body that. It was all using his hands, whether whether the, the ball was up high, off target, didn't matter. It was uh, it, it was a good first start for, uh, for Jamar, a good first time to see him. And like I said, if I had to describe him, it would be smooth. Yeah, and, and that makes a lot of sense. I mean, to me, he looked fast, too, in, in a couple of the sure. reps I saw. He, he doesn't look like – it doesn't look like he runs violently, like a way like – DK Metcalf chasing down whoever he chased down on the interception. Like you, he looks like there's some violence to his movement. You don't see that with chase, but I, I also noticed some of the stuff with the hands catching. He did have one bobble. Did you see the bobble? Mm-hmm. Not something I'm concerned about at all, <laughs> but you know, we, we uh, got to mention it. You, no, you described that per- better. He doesn't run violently. I'm not saying he isn't fast. It's just, it looks Almost natural. I, you know, I don't want to say effortless because then people are going to say, oh, he doesn't give effort. Like, that's not what I'm saying. So, yeah, may, maybe it's, he's not as violent as some of those really fast big guys that we see in the league. I think he did show off some of his athleticism, some of the on a curl route, you know, sitting in a chair or, or like Sands pointed out, turning, turning the body before the head. Some of the subtleties of route running have come a little bit, have progressed a little bit. And some of the other things, some of the route running that you saw at LSU, which was hit or miss, I think, is showing up as well on some reps. So I agree. Good start for Jamar Chase. Let's go second round, James. Jackson Carmen talked about some of the differences he's dealing with, having to be in a three-point stance a little bit more, having to deal with action on both sides of you at guard versus at tackle. You're, you're mostly worried about the edge. Obviously not much to see in rookie camp, but was he aligning at right guard? And, and what did you see with Jackson Carmen? First thing is his size. He's huge. He's a, he's a big, big boy. And the linemen were on the complete opposite side of the field. No position group was farther away from the media than the Bengals offensive linemen for most of practice. And they were going through drills and stuff. And you're right. It's not like they're going up against defensive linemen. So it's really hard to see. Um, but his size certainly stood out. He did line up at right guard when they uh, did a little seven on on nothing, uh, essentially, uh, towards the end of practice. He, he was there at right guard, and I think we all expected that, but it does confirm what we thought. Uh, Deontay Smith, by the way, right tackle, right next to him. But uh, the, the size, you certainly saw some of the speed and athleticism during some of these drills. And so... I think there's less to take from it when you're talking about offensive line on air than a Jamar Chase on air, uh, especially with no pads. But size test, eye test, it's there. And we knew that with the measurables. And he certainly moves well. So we'll we'll see if uh, if everything that the Bengals thought continues to, to push in that direction. But so far, so good. Yeah, obviously hard to draw many conclusions about offensive linemen from this sort of practice where – they're just trying to say, okay, this is how we're going to do some terminology. These are some things that we want you to work on. I mean, very, very basic stuff for the most part. Deontay Smith, you mentioned he's working at right tackle. Bengals.com, Jeff Hobson reporting that he's up to 311 pounds. So putting on some weight after the senior bowl, that's good news for him. That's a much better weight for NFL offensive tackle, assuming that it's good weight. So that's good news. 
Let's talk a little bit about punt returners, James, and some of the tryout guys. They end up signing two of them, Eric Dungy and Cheyenne or CJ O'Grady. They call him Cheyenne. Uh, the report last week we had called him CJ. But the tight end and the QB make the team. And Chris Evans, who we speculated might return punts, was not returning punts in practice, but a bunch of other guys were. Bengals.com spent a lot of time writing about that as well as one of the big competitions going into the season. Puka Williams, you know, that, that might be his chance here. We were kind of discussing that right after you draft Chris Evans. Is there a, a spot for Puka? Can he, with an impressive camp, can he make his way onto the team? And maybe this is it. Maybe it is as a punt returner. And, and I'll tell you this, certainly fast, but he is thin. I, I wonder if he actually does weigh 175. And if so, he does carry it well, but he can move, has some explosiveness. Has It doesn't have the experience that you look for. But obviously, Darren, Darren Simmons, really, really high-end special teams coach, maybe he can get it out of him. And if so, how, how great would that be for the Bengals to have a, a backup running back and, you know, because that's the thing. It always seems like it is a, a receiver or a corner for the Bengals at punt return, or it has been for, uh, you know, in recent years. Puka Webbs plays a little running back and catch the ball well, and, and maybe he could make the team as a punt returner. And I think that actually might make it more challenging for him because he is a running back, because... Yes, there is some depth questions at the position, but in order for him to make the team and be active on game days to return punts, that means that he needs to be able to play a little running back or or contribute elsewhere, right? Like he could be a special teamer on every special teams unit, but generally the guys that they have up for special teams also need to be able to contribute at their primary position on offense or defense in the case of, you know, you get injuries happening or whatever. Because you only have so many active game day spots, right? So to me, that might actually make it more challenging for him because of the competition, I think, at running back and, and some more entrenched guys there that can do some of those roles. And the, that's the thing is Chris Evans is just he looked great. He did. I mean, from his yeah, you talk about catching with his hands, certainly uh, able to do that. But the, just the way he ran his movement, he looked Different too. Certainly didn't look like a sixth round pick. The explosiveness is there, and that's why you you should probably try him at punt returner because it might work. He has natural hands. He certainly has the athleticism and the explosiveness you look for. So maybe he could do that, and I wouldn't be shocked at all if the Bengals try it. And then the other guy that I, I think is going to get a look is Riley Lease, the uh, undrafted uh, free agent signing out of Northwestern. He had 53 career punt returns, so I think he's in the mix could get a shot as well or will get a shot and we'll see how this pans out. But obviously the Bengals feel like they have their punt returner issues in good hands with Aaron Simmons. who will pick the best guy up next. A couple more takeaways from rookie minicamp plus some interesting numbers. When you look at the Bengals 2021 schedule, Hey Bengals fans, listen up. Nugenics is the number one selling free testosterone booster at GNC and they're offering a free complimentary bottle to all football fans in America. To get your complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total T, text DRAFT to 231231. This unique man-boosting formula is powered by Testofen, which helps boost free testosterone and total testosterone levels and increase energy and lean muscle mass. Plus, text now, and they'll include a bottle of Nugenics Thermo, their most powerful fat incinerator ever, with key ingredients to help you get back in shape absolutely free. Text DRAFT to 231231. That's draft at 231231. Message and data rates may apply. 
Investing can be complicated. Whether you're a beginner or have been investing for years though, Wealthfront makes it easy and they have the right tools for every portfolio. Wealthfront can create a portfolio of globally diversified low-cost index funds personalized just for you in minutes. No manual trades, no picking stocks, no watching the stock market every day. They automatically handle all the investing based on preferences that you control. Wealthfront is trusted with over $20 billion of assets, and you can get your first $5,000 managed for free right now by going to Wealthfront.com slash LockedOnNFL. All you need is $500 to get started. You can grow your wealth the easy way and let Wealthfront do the work for you. The first $5,000 managed for free for life at Wealthfront.com slash LockedOnNFL. That's W-E-A-L-T-H-F-R-O-N-T dot com slash LockedOnNFL to start growing your savings. Go to Wealthfront.com slash LockedOnNFL and get started today. James, the only significant draft picks we haven't really talked about at this point are the defensive linemen that the Bengals drafted in rounds three and four. Joseph Osai, Tyler Shelvin, Cam Sample. Again, hard to really see much from these guys at this sort of practice where there's not really contact going on. There's a fun video out there of, you know, Tyler Shelvin getting his technique worked on on a rep against the sled. Uh, you know, Joseph Osai looks explosive in some of his little clips. But I mean, again, I think a lot of NFL players are going to look like that. There is the weight question for Tyler Shelvin, of course. That was something that is really going to be something he has to manage throughout his career. Does he stay motivated? Does he keep the weight healthy? Because that does impact your movement ability when you're just a very large man. What stood out from this group of players? Well, let's start with Shelvin's weight. I thought he looked like he was in pretty good shape. I thought he was moving well. I thought he certainly had the the strength that you, you need from a guy like that with his size. So for me, and no, I'm not a defensive line expert. expert. I'm never going to say I am one, but he does seem to uh, to be in decent shape here, which is exactly what the Bengals were hoping. I agree with you, by the way, on Osai, and take it for whatever it is, but he is a big, explosive, strong, strong player. And it, all things we, we knew, right? But it being on display, I, th- I certainly think he passes the eye test. Um, outside of that, you know, not, not a ton. I mean, Wyatt Hubert is exactly who I think a lot of people expect him to be this really hard worker who is just going to be flying around. And, uh, and, you know, I noticed that, but I kind of expected that cam sample, same thing. So we just don't know a lot yet. It it was our our first look at him, but, uh, so far everything was good. And like you said, maybe one of the biggest things, most obvious things of camp would have been if Shelvin was overweight. Didn't look overweight to me. Now, I didn't throw him on a scale, but I, I think he looked pretty good. How about one last thing before we go to schedule talk? Evan McPherson. This is another one that, I mean, you know, you can watch a guy kicking field goals and see how he looks. How would Evan McPherson do on the on the field goals he kicked? I didn't keep the tally, but mm. looked good. You know, looked, uh, looked like he should. And I will mention this, too. And we, we spent a lot of time on punter last week. But... Wouldn't be shocked, Drew Chrisman. Just I, I wouldn't be shocked. So just keep an eye on that. Maybe he's a practice squad guy. Maybe more. Who knows? Wouldn't be shocked, like I said. And then one other guy that that stood out some, but they they didn't sign him. 
and he was just an invite, Trevion Thompson. Wearing the number 11, I was like, ooh, who's 11? Multiple times. And the crazy part about this, Jake, I didn't even know he was going to be there. The only reason I knew who number 11 was is because the Bengals handed out this nifty roster for rookie minicamp. He went to Clemson, 6'2", 205, so good size, and I think that's part of it when you got uh, some of these smaller guys on the field, right? The Trent Taylors of the world. Um, you're going to see these these bigger receivers stand out. But, uh, yeah, I, I thought he had a pretty decent showing, at least from what I saw, but obviously not good enough to uh, to sign with the team. But I, I didn't even know he was going to be there. And uh, he certainly looked explosive, looked fast to me. There you go. Some standouts from James Rapine, the eyewitness report. And dun, dun, dun. hopefully we get a lot more of that this year, right, with things opening back up a little bit. Really glad you were able to be down there in person for the rookie mini camp. I got my first vaccine scheduled, James, so maybe I'll get to go down there for something at some point here soon, too. We'll have to see what the travel regulations look like. Let's talk about the Bengals' advantages that are baked into their schedule. Yes, all the prognosticators right now are saying the Bengals have one of the most challenging strengths of schedule in the NFL this year. We know that that never holds up by the end of the year, or or I guess I should say very rarely holds up because there's no real reason. There's no causation year over year, right? There might be some correlation with preseason versus postseason strength of schedule, but I haven't looked into it. I would bet that it's a relatively weak correlation because there's so much turnover in the NFL every year. However, Brian Burke from ESPN put together a chart that has net travel miles for teams versus their opponents and net rest differential. And the Bengals and Eagles are the furthest to the top right of this chart, which means that they have they're pretty much tied for net rest differential at they're going to be 11 days or so more rested than their opponents over the course of the year. They're going to have more periods of time where their opponents are coming off short weeks than they are. And part of that is because the Bengals have the Thursday night game and that's it, right? There's no Monday night games to speak of. And they also travel the least compared to their opponents. So, the Bengals, we talked about it. They're two trips west. They go to Las Vegas and they go to Denver. And that's it. Outside of that, they're staying in their time zone for the most part. The Eagles must be similar, but these two teams have the biggest advantages in terms of travel compared to their opponents and rest compared to those opponents. I, I don't know if this matters, but it's worth talking about when we talk about how difficult the schedule was in the first place. It can't hurt. And, and here's the thing that we can't track, Jake. How much of a difference is it going to be knowing there's a 17th game? The less travel, the better. The more rest, the better. It certainly can't hurt. And the fact that there's another game this year for the first time in, in NFL history, there's 17 games that matter, that count, that matters too. That's going to impact things. So I do think it's a factor. I do think it's worth mentioning, especially – when you're a team that has had the injury issues that the Bengals have had, sometimes injuries come from fatigue. I know it's not always the case, but hopefully they can get the rest necessary. And that's the one thing with Zach Taylor. He isn't going to push guys that are you know, battling things in, in, in practice. He's going to be like, all right, we need you ready for Sunday. And he's a very player friendly in that sense, which is what I think you have to be 
especially when you're playing 17 games. So th- this is absolutely a plus. Now, how much will it translate to wins? I'm not sure. But I'd much rather be on this end of the spectrum than some of these other teams that are traveling a ton and aren't going to have as much time to rest. I do really wonder, you know, how much of a difference it makes year over year. But it'll be interesting to see this year. Maybe we can try to pay attention to it every week when we do our game previews. We can talk about and we will talk about, you know, the Bengals are more rested this week. Let's see how it plays out. And that will be something that we watch in the 2021 season coming up next. How much should we expect from this defense this year, James? We spent a lot of time talking about the offense and Zach Taylor. Louie Anarumo got another shot too, and he got all the toys he wanted. At least we think. So we'll get into that discussion coming up next. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action, whether it's baseball season, which is in full swing, or the NBA playoffs, which are almost here. And let's be honest, you want to get in on the the Bengals win total, maybe some prop bets on Jamar Chase or Joe Burrow, maybe Joe Mixon or Joe Burrow for comeback player of the year. You can do it all in one spot, betonline.ag. Stop sitting on the sidelines, get in on the action. You're not going to regret it. Plus, they got NHL. They have UFC and MMA all in one spot. So go there now, betonline.ag. And when you sign up, Make sure you use promo code locked on when you make that first deposit and you're going to get a 50% welcome bonus. It's that simple. You make that first deposit at betonline.ag. Use promo code locked on free money, a 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. James, as we dive into this discussion about the Cincinnati Bengals defense, this is really kind of an extended mailbag. Lucas Kozlowski asked me a question on Saturday afternoon, and I thought it was probably worth a segment on the show. At Lucas Koz on Twitter wrote, though Joe Burrow's rehab will be the top story of the season, how much pressure is there on the defense to perform? So much offseason capital invested on that side of the ball. What is the minimum? for success with Lou Anarumo's defense. And I think we've kind of skirted around this issue a little bit. And we generally have spent so much time in free agency, prepping for the draft, focusing on the offensive line, focusing on Jamar Chase, focusing on these questions facing the offense, even talking about tight end a little bit more than we've generally discussed the defense on the whole. I don't think we've necessarily given this enough attention Because they did. They spent a ton of money last year on Trey Waynes. They spent a ton of money this year on Trey Hendrickson. Last year, DJ Reader. This year, in addition to those guys, uh, Cheeto and Mike Hilton. A couple of corners. Yeah, Von Bell last year. All the defensive draft picks on the defensive line this year. There's been a heavy, heavy investment on that side of the ball. And the defense has been very problematic in Lou Anarumo's two years to the point where we thought, well, if they do keep Zach, I think that the the most likely guys to fall on the chopping block 
are Jim Turner and Lou Anarumo, but Lou Anarumo is back. And I think he got a lot of the items on his wish list. That has to mean very high expectations. And for for a team coming from the seller, what does very high expectations mean, right? Does that mean you get to average? And is that okay when you've spent this much offseason resources addressing one side of the ball? What do you think? I think average would be fair. And you're right that they've obviously invested a ton into this side of the ball. And Lou Anarumo needs to take a bunch of step forward. At the same time, and part of this has to do with Lou, they did lose. They, I mean, they've lost a lot. Like, go back to 2019 and look at that defense. You know, no Geno Atkins, for better or worse. Well, last year it was for worse along the defensive line. No Carlos Dunlap. No, uh, n- none of these guys that, that were there. Carl Lawson's gone. And so you're replacing these guys, and you're spending big money. But is Trey Waynes better than William Jackson III? I think so. You know, it is uh, Chido Beowuzie, how big of an upgrade is he from what they had last year? That that That's the question mark, what they had the year before and Drake Kirkpatrick. And so that's the tough part. So if they can become league average, 15th to 16th in points allowed and force more, more turnovers and have a couple more big plays, because that's the thing is they've added playmakers in their minds, guys that can get sacks and force pressures and create turnovers. If they're doing that, Sign me up all day, and I think Lou's safe. The The danger, if you're Lou Anarumo, especially with this schedule, and I'll tie it all together, if you get off to another slow start after everything that they, they've put in this defense and, um, the, you know, four trench players and all this stuff that they've done, get off to a slow start and the schedule gets harder as the season goes on, you might not be around to see that second half of the, the schedule, which is going to be really tough. So it's... uh. It's put up or shut up time for a lot of coaches in that building. And I think Lou Anarumo is probably first on that list. You're right to point out that they've lost some players too. And that necessitated a lot of the offseason investment. When you lose an all-decade defensive tackle, you obviously need to spend resources to replace that player. When you lose a fourth-round pick who had been a market inefficiency for you as an edge rusher for four years... You obviously need to spend resources to replace that guy. And Carl Lawson goes out and gets a very similar deal to what they end up investing in Trey Hendrickson. The big question for me with the guys they've brought in is, like you said, are they enough? So we know that there is one unit on this defense that is very strong, and that's the safety. So Von Bell came on big time second half of the season as he got more comfortable, I think with what Lou was doing. And as the team got more comfortable with his skill set, Jesse Bates obviously was fantastic. One of, if not the best safeties in the NFL in 2020. So we feel really good about the safeties, right? And that'll enable them to do a lot of single high stuff, playing Von Bell down in the box, letting Jesse Bates play center field. That is what he's good at. And that means that your corners on the outside need to also be good enough in those single high looks. And I do think that Cheeto is an upgrade at corner two compared to what they had last year. And a lot of that comes down to how he looked before last year when he was injured for a lot of the year. I think Mike Hilton should be at least a wash in coverage when compared to Mackenzie Alexander's 2020. And he brings that slot blitzer prowess 
So there's some some interesting things they can do with him there. And then I think the other thing you look at is with the rookies they've brought in, have they done enough to establish depth all over the place here? I really wonder about depth at linebacker, right? You've got Akeem Davis-Gaither, Jermaine Pratt, Logan Wilson. No veteran presence there like they have with Josh Bynes last year. And then behind them, Marcus Bailey, Jordan Evans. And and then I guess Keandre Jones if he makes the team. So I wonder about depth at linebacker. The Bengals only going to have two linebackers on the field a vast majority of the time, I believe. But I still do wonder, I mean, a lot on those rookies and third-year guys, second-year and third-year guys, I guess now, to step up in year two. The depth on the defensive line, on the other hand, looks fantastic right now before any injuries set in. And the depth at corner actually ends up looking pretty similar to last year. So in some places, depth improves. In some ways, the roster just looks better because it's not injured yet. But I, I do think it's fair to say that there are a lot of questions for this defense. Absolutely. It, it, and again, it, it's going to come down to Lou Anarumo's vision and the guys that they've given him, the guys that he wanted, the, the, these tackling playmaker types that might not necessarily have the best ball skills in the world, but he's not looking at that because he's got Jesse Bates, right? I mean, that, that's at least my vision. And I asked him, Hey, what's your vision? You know, a month ago, two months ago, when they started to add some of these guys in free agency, it would have been two months ago now. Time flies. And he's like, we want to be tough. We want to be physical. And we, we want the offense to know, opposing offenses to know that they're going to feel us. And so that that's certainly part of it here. And it doesn't take – you don't need to be great on defense to win in today's league. You know, you you don't. But they need to be much better than they've been. And there can't be these games, especially when you have an elite quarterback – like Joe Burrow, where he's just dragging you and keeping you in the game like he was against Cleveland, both Cleveland games. And in the first one, the Browns run the ball eight times and end the game and go up two scores. And in the second one, Baker Mayfield completes 20 passes in a row. Neither one can happen. If they're serviceable, they win both of those games. And and so that's the key. If you get the average, you can kind of prevent those things from happening. And that's got to be really the minimum but but certainly the the expectation for this Bengals defense. Can you be league average, especially with a guy like Jesse Bates who can make you much better than that if he's making plays? And I think a lot of this is going to come down to those rookies in the trenches, right? If the pass rush can take a big step, and that's a big if, but if these guys <laughs> they have on the defensive line can step up the pass rush, if Tyler Shelvin and DJ Reader can be healthy and, and do what they want them to do in the run game, that anchor can have a ripple effect to the linebackers and certainly the secondary, especially when you got Jesse Bates back there, like you said. So a lot more to dig into there as we get to camp, as we get to the preseason. But here we are on May 16th as we record this episode, the first episode of the week, speculating about the defense that's going to be playing games in a few months. That's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Until next time, Bengals fans, day and have a good one. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. 
Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.